0: fantastic passage, A, John chapter 6. And so it's pretty cool being able to launch into the panel having already, um, you know, just been able to to read through this together and grapple and wrestle with what it is that the Holy Spirit's doing um, in this particular scene. Um, But like you would have read, we have here a really interesting scenario where Jesus and his disciples have a crowd of people that are coming towards them. And we see um, Jesus here, and I'll just read these, read these verses. It says, Therefore Jesus, lifting up his eyes and seeing that a large crowd was coming to him, said to Philip, Where are we to buy bread so that these may eat? This he was saying to test him, for he himself knew what he was intending to do. Philip answered him 200 denarii worth of bread is not sufficient for them for en- for everyone to receive a little. I find it incredibly interesting here that we say we see Jesus who specifically um, is using this scenario as a teaching opportunity for his disciples can be so easy to think that in, in light of the, in, this incredible miracle, 5,000 people fed with just a few loaves and fishes, and yet Jesus is more concerned about teaching his disciples than really he seems to be with the actual miracle itself. And he's zeroing into his disciples and it says that he, he knew that, he knew what he wanted to do in, in this particular scene because he was building towards something that was so much greater than bread and fish. You know, this is just the beginning of John chapter 6, but in the weeks to come we're going to dive into actually really what is probably the more meaty passages in John chapter 6 where Jesus says actually the true bread isn't actually bread at all and the true fish aren't actually fish at all. The true bread is is me. It's my body. You've got to eat my flesh and drink my blood. And if you don't, you've got no life in you. And you see this building throughout John chapter 6, starting with the feeding of the 5,000. And it moves into this in, in, in verse 26. And Jesus answered and said to them, "'Truly, truly, I say to you, "'you seek me not because you saw the signs, "'but because you ate of the loaves and were filled.'" do not work for the food which perishes but for the food which endures to eternal life which the son of man will give you for on him the father god has set his seal it's interesting eh? he says um, you know you seek me not because you saw the signs but because you ate of the loaves and were filled and so you see here He's saying, guys, there's there's some people who are following Jesus because they saw the signs, they saw the miracles, but those miracles were external of them. And he says, but you guys, you're not like those people. You didn't just see the signs. You actually ate of the bread that Jesus multiplied right in front of your eyes. And so there's some people who the miracle was so external of them. It was the people down the road that Jesus healed. But right now... The spotlight's coming on you because the miracle that you received was even clo- even more close to the home. The miracle actually entered inside of your mouth, and you became a physical partaker of bread that had been multiplied by Christ. Just reminds me of Mary, eh? and you know, Mary. Jesus comes to her and gives her a promise of a child, and that a whole, the Holy Spirit would overshadow her, and she would receive in her this divine conception that was by the Holy Spirit. Now if there's anyone that should have been convinced of who Jesus was by a physical miracle, it's Mary, right? How do you go from not having sex To having a baby divinely impregnated into your womb, that is an incredible miracle. That's someone that should know, right? And yet, Mary, even the greatest physical miracle taking place inside her, that wasn't enough for her to be able to respond the right way in the temple when Jesus comes to her because there's a prophecy that says the sword will pierce even your own soul. And so you see a progression here physical signs and wonders and miracles that were external, then a miracle that was so close to home that they could physically see and taste and eat of the bread that Jesus multiplied and he said, guys, even that is not enough. It's incredible. And as incredible as it is, he says, guys, listen to this. Do not work for the food that perishes but for the food that endures to eternal life. This miracle is incredible but it's, it's, it's speaking of something more than physical food. I didn't just come to fill your bellies, I've, I've come that you would actually learn to eat and drink of me the true life, that through the miracle it would point to me being your absolute true source and just as I can take Loaves and fishes, and multiply it to 5,000 people. Imagine if I can do that physically the multiplication of my divine life that I can impart into you through revelation. And so we see here Jesus. It just mapping out this quite incredible scene in these uh, in, the, in John chapter six, and he wants his disciples to partake not just of that physical miracle. He's using this as a learning opportunity to bring them into this place of divine revelation, that they wouldn't just see a miracle; they would actually partake of him. And so they, they he invites them into this place of fellowship with him, and is using this situation as a stepping stone into what it is that he has for them. Awesome, eh? So we're going to jump into the questions that you're looking at at your tables. Um, And uh, who knows where we might go. We may or may not cover the ground that you covered already, but if you've got a key point that stuck out to you, feel free to jump in along the way. But we'll start here with question number one. Jesus asks his disciples about where they can buy bread as a test. What is Jesus testing them to see? You want to kick us off,
1: Luke? Yeah, I think um, you pretty much covered all the little contributions I had wrapped up in your intro there. <laughs> that's, that's me, Logan. <laughs> yeah, it's good like that.
0: Um, say it again, mate. So that, you know. Honestly, That's what Paul says, right? Yeah. He says, hey, hey actually, it's, it's no it's no drama for me to say the exact same thing for you because maybe it's going to take 10 times of actually hearing it, yeah, yeah absolutely.
1: No. I think like the, the short answer is that he was trying to draw from Philip, like, what is it you actually know about me? Who do you know me as, and how well do you know me and my father? Um, he's not going to him with like a, a logistical nightmare of, we've got all these thousands of people we need to feed, can you contact the catering company, Philip, and see if they will deliver out to the wilderness? You know, like, <coughs> um, No Uber Eats back then, eh? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> came back. <laughs> um, but I was just like, this is such a familiar story, like it's like a, a Sunday school classic, and like everyone's so familiar with it. But as I was reading it, I was like, this is just such a, like you're saying, incredible, like mind boggling miracle that he's done to feed 5,000 people with a couple of loaves and a couple of fish. Like, if I was to bring like a little bread roll tonight and say, we're all going to have a feed from this, it would be like, what? How's that going to work out? But even though like it is such an incredible thing, like you're saying, Sam, it's it's really just a stepping stone that he lays to launch into something that he really wants to communicate about who he truly is, and that he is the bread of of life, um, and that if you if you eat of me, you'll never hunger and you'll never never thirst. Um,
2: and the other side of that coin is he's trying to show them who they're called to be. So he's modelling a pattern of, this is actually how you're called to live too, because you're disciples of mine. And so you've been entrusted with the kingdom mysteries. So it's an opportunity for you to discover who you're called to be and how you're called to operate, because he did all this as a man. So he's a man who submitted under the domain of heaven, demonstrating what they should have been doing as well and could be in time. So it's a twofold reality. So often we can just look at how amazing Jesus is, but actually we need to start realising how amazing we are in Jesus. And he invites us, just like I was sharing with our guys at the table, he invites Peter, James and John to pray with him in the garden. So he's constantly inviting us into his realm because that's where we're supposed to be living from, ourselves, and demonstrating because he's going and we're going to be his ambassadors.
0: And I love... I love that, eh? Because t- to me, that that's you know that's why they're learning on the job, right? right. <laughs> Is because he wants them to, and, you know, to know the father in the same way that he does, to be able to move and, and minister in, in in that same dynamic, eh? And I, I think you know he doesn't pull them aside afterwards and say, "Hey, guys, see what I did there." They're actually fully part participating what it is that he did that he would almost like stop right in the middle of the moment and say hey let's just pause for a moment let me show you what what this is going to look like you know But he does say that greater things will do than even he does, eh? Hey? You know, and so I think what he's looking for is us to become mature, so that we can actually engage in, in what it is that he's engaging in here. And and when you when you do it from a heart of humility, because you've been taught by him, it doesn't. The miracle doesn't actually need to knock you off course. If the, if the miracle is the greatest thing and your heart is set on, you know, that as being the God's primary purpose, yeah, it can be dangerous, but he even allows it, you know. But it doesn't need to be because all of these things, inclu- including the miraculous, are given by God for a particular purpose and they're for us, hey, you know. And so we don't need to be afraid of it, we just need to learn what it looks like to participate in it from his perspective. Mm.
2: I I actually wish that was the case What Warren said Because then you could never hoodwink yourself Because you don't have the ability to So actually God didn't give you that You couldn't even go there The fact that he actually does Because he believes in us More than we believe in us And he gives it to you So you actually can get entangled Within you That's why you can lay hands on the sick Cast out demons And he can say I don't know who you are so actually, he gives us his authority in his name as authority. So we're given all things that lead to life and godliness. The challenges, if you're and we are not dead to self, then you get in trouble. But I remember God showing me years ago, and he rebuked me on that very thing because I said, actually, God doesn't give the keys. Um, the analogy was, I wouldn't give Madeline the keys to the car because Maddie doesn't know how to drive, and she'll kill her and kill others. And God said, well, I have. So he said, I have given it all. He said, and then he said this to me, he said, Greg, I believe so much that my people are going to do it my way. That's how much I believe in them. I wish they actually believed in themselves that much. So God has, God can, because God is ultimately what? God. So he's watching it outplay. He can interfere and intervene in any point in time, but actually he has And that's the beauty And that's why you must relinquish your life Because all that in the hands of someone that's still full of pride Is very, very dangerous You will misrepresent God You will misrepresent yourself And you will misrepresent Him to the lost world And you'll do it in His name And He will let you do it That's what's so challenging And that's what you see in here So that's this opportunity One of the things that we were talking about was And I asked the group, I said, do you actually believe God is for you? Because so much of this, that's the filter that you have to actually view all this through. Do you 100% believe God is for you? And if you don't, you'll always struggle with what he says, because you'll hear the test through a negative lens. You'll hear... You failed through a negative lens rather than the lens that's for growing because you don't actually believe God is for you, and then you'll defend yourself, and you can't teach someone that's defensive. You see, you can't teach if you're de- if you're defending yourself all the time. If your first thing out of you is defense, you're not teachable. So you have to believe God is for you because He's going to put you in situations that's going to test. A reality, but he's for you because he wants you to become like him. So everything he does is for us. There's no negative in any of it. Before, that what we call walking, going from strength to strength, glory to glory, those things are in it? Step with the Spirit, step with the Spirit. But that's, that comes after, it's actually believing that very first thing I said. You actually have to believe in your heart that God is actually for you. He's not against you. And so when he comes and he says, I want that, because that's preventing you from life, if you don't think he's for you, then you won't give it. Yeah. And so one of the things I said to the guys is, I said, you have to see more than what's happening here. Like if you just literally read this, literally you'll miss what he's really trying to say. Yeah? And so we shared, and I said, What is God ultimately after from us? Go beyond your heart. What does he actually want? He wants your heart. He wants your, he wants your entire being. Okay? So he wants your entire being. So he says, So the, 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 the leftover fish and bread is to show you how abundant he is. I want to give you an abundant life. So you give me your entire life and I'll give you an abundant life. Look what I can do with fish and bread. Bring that your ashes, your nothingness, and I will multiply and give you an abundant life because I'm the Passover, which is in here. See, I've come to save you. I've come to redeem you. I've come to give you a brand new abundant life. So let me just show you a means to this reality, but you might just think this is about bread and fish. But it's way bigger than that. Let me show you what I do if you give me your life, which is like bread and fish. I'll give you an abundant life. I'll give you an abundant source that will (laughs) never run out because you partake of me. So it's massive. it's
0: almost like he he pulls every, you know, like in, in doing that, miracle where he's showing through bread and fish how faithful he is it's almost like he removes every excuse eh? so that when he does start to tell them about them receiving mana from above that's him he's already proven his faithfulness so then to turn around and say oh actually you're not faithful to give me the bread that comes from heaven well who are you to make that judgment call when right in front of your eyes is a physical miracle that speaks the exact opposite to what you believe right now and that's that's the that's the moment there right where what well, does that lead to to turning to repentance to receiving his reality or are we still more? Con- are we more concerned about protecting ourselves? Eh? And I think, to me, that's what the that's even the word test. Eh? You know, it's like what we're saying in our group. How would you feel if we said, "Cool," instead of it being a discussion night? Actually, you've come and we're going to do a test tonight. You know, what does that what does that conjure up in you? And why is it that the word test immediately immediately invokes a. Uh, School, you know, why is it, why is it negative? Yeah. Because from his perspective, test only has two outcomes. Either you pass it with flying colours and it brings glory to who he is because he's actually done a divine work in you, or the test reveals that, what it is that you're operating from and gives you the, the best opportunity that you've ever had in your life for growth, there's, it's only a win on this side, and it's a win on that side. But the only thing that would make it not a win is, is if you're more concerned about staying the way that you are than you are about growth, and you're more concerned about being right than you are receiving a greater measure of Him in you. You see what I'm saying? And so the test is really is for us, for our benefit, eh? And, and I might, you know, most of us aren't in, aren't in school any anymore, apart from the hecklers at the back. <laughs> But we're, not out, but we're not outside of the school of Christ, eh, you know? Um, and that we're always, to be, we're always to be at school, right? He's constantly teaching us and providing us opportunity after opportunity to learn and to grow and to enter into what it is that he has for us, eh? And so to me, it, um, you know, Maddie says something at our table, is that our perspective actually defines how we'll, how we'll receive the test when it comes, you know? do we value it or or actually do we run from it because we think it's about our loss as opposed to our gain, hey, you know, and so. Yeah. 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 Is it, is it faith and actions like we talk about? Without
2: faith without words is good, faith for something, faith without actions. So we have to put actions to our faith. Not really, um, but action will come out of faith. It's just an outcome of being in him what I find it fascinating and you just took on it there Sam was this whole thing about you know like truly truly I say to you seek me not because you saw signs but because you actually ate the loaves and the pattern that just is in humanity where we can partake of miracles and still deny him that fascinates me but it is my testimony as well you know, which is what the Israelites did, isn't it? They saw his miracle after miracle after miracle after miracle after miracle after miracle and still didn't do what he asked. I find that breathtaking, but it's actually part of our humanity that still is a living and will receive that but not actually truly believe in who he really is because the whole entire thing is, like you said, is a setup to bring them to this place where he's going... So I've done this and I've done that, so you'd actually partake of me and have life. But we reject the process, but we're happy to take the miracle because our inner realm is still bound up in us. And I love this question. It says, and large crowds followed him because they saw the signs. So the question then is, why are you following Jesus? He's with them to bring them to this ultimate outcome. But they're not interested in that because as soon as he brings them to that outcome, they're off. But Peter stays. And that challenges for every single one of us. It's like, why are you actually a Jesus? Well, I didn't want to go to hell. I don't really know. It's all I've ever done. It's what I was brought up with. Well, that's not really... You know, any of these answers because he did this, he, what he's done for me. Well, that's great, but it's always like a little, what's the thing? It's, a, it's the entree to the main, and he's the main. And so we have to ask these questions, why actually am I following him? Because am I following him for what he has for me? And I love it because Jesus was never into crowd ministry. He was into discipleship. So he's taking the crowd and wants to bring them into a discipleship reality. He's taken all the altar and goes, okay, I'll minister here because I love you all, but what I'm really looking for are disciples. So why are you all following me again? And he will ask that question over and over and over to give us an opportunity to actually become that very disciple who partakes of Christ himself rather than just come from for the miracles and the cool things and the music and the coffee and the, everything else and all our forms of religiosity and forms of godliness. He still loves us in that. But actually until we realise he's got to take us from being the crowd follower into the most intimate fellowship with him where you become one, where you've learnt to what it is to partake and you have to lose you because you can be in the crowd and not lose you. Can't you? you can be close you can be here and not lose you and so he's pulling us from this outer to this i want you to be one with me but it only comes through the loss and then the partaking outside of that
0: this beautiful way eh? and he's just giving them every every opportunity to actually partake of life itself, which is may, eh? you know, so much so that he would start right at the beginning of, hey, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you physical food, but actually I want you to partake of the true food, you know, and, and imagine what the scene would have looked like, because when he starts to talk about eating my eating his flesh and drinking his blood, since that many people left him. What would have happened if he hadn't done the miracle, the feeding of the 5,000, that they had actually had this incredible demonstration of God's faithfulness and goodness? They've had that, and yet many walk away. Man, it's like, what would it look like if he just... Jumped straight to the straight to the chase and said, "Guys, without any miracles, no warm ups, you know, just straight up, eat my flesh and drink." You know what I mean? It's like, but you just see his kindness, eh, and his and his goodness that every opportunity to draw, and and the statement that you know, eat my flesh and drink my blood. Many walked away, it, you without knowing his heart you'd think what a ruthless guy he's out he's out to divide he's he's out to separate he's out to try and cause division actually he's out to gather you know and you see this whole scene he's he's gathering and it just reminds me of you know, Jesus he, he, he talks about you know oh Jerusalem Jerusalem, how I longed to gather you you know like a mother hen gathers her, her chicks but you were unwilling hey and you see this this heartbeat that wants to, to call into and, and, to, and to gather for what it is that he ultimately has which is more than physical food it's true food. And yet there's still something in the heart of man, this enmity that resists even the best thing that could have, that, that was so for them, eh? You know? And so what do you do about that? What, what, do you, what do you do in light of a God who is so good and so faithful? And that is that even Jesus himself couldn't change their hearts, eh? But he had a, a plan to send the Holy Spirit to say, hey, even though I can't, as God in the flesh, I'm going to go away. But I've got I've, someone that I'm going to send. His name is the Holy Spirit. He's going to lead you into all truth. Hey? and so you just see this faithfulness after faithfulness, goodness after goodness, opportunity after opportunity to enter into life. Hey, you know, and so it's just stunning. I, I would almost flip it around and, and and say that he he was calling them to not not it was it wasn't just calling out their sin he was calling them into the promise you know and so because if sinners to miss the mark he's calling them into something greater than what they that they previously knew they they knew physical bread they the Israelites had eaten physical manna in the wilderness for forty years we heard before. And and it says that they ate the manna and they died. But he's calling them not just out of sin, but into the promise to say, "Hey, I've got so I've got bread for you to eat that you'll be able to eat and not die." You know. And so there's something more going on for them than just exposing their sin. It's calling them into this eternal life that he has for his people. Eh? To to, eat, to, save. to save, absolutely, absolutely. Any other, any other questions or key points or standout things from, from anyone? Mm. All good. All right, we'll move on to question two then. So question number two. We've probably covered some of this already. Why does Jesus test us? Is he looking to see us fail or is he intent on using every situation as a learning opportunity? Do we want to cover that? We've, we've kind of covered that already. Right, give of another shot. Okay. Yeah, yeah.
1: Just, um, when I heard that question, I thought of like, myself in the workplace. Like if I go to a job and, and I've got an apprentice with me, um, I'll kind of explain why we're there. Say so it's like we've got to, Change these lights and add some sockets, um, and then I'll turn to them and say, "How are we going to do this?" Not, not because I don't know, but because I'm trying to draw something from them and get them to a place of, of maturity where they can actually enter into being you know qualified. Yeah. Um, and I feel like that's the same, same thing here with, with cross as a good teacher. It's not asking questions because, like um, you guys are saying, because he doesn't know the answer, he's asking to try and stir them up and draw something.
2: And so much that, once again, so much of that determines whether you know the reason why you were given life. So, if you know why He created you, then you know why He tests you. If you know what He has for you in His kingdom, then He must test you to see if you're capable, because He wants to entrust more to you. So it's like all things isn't it, It's like that's why we have tests, it's like in the natural you're tested to see whether you have the capacity and the capability to perform on what it is that you're being entrusted to, why? So the thing doesn't crush you, so it's not to put you down, it's to see whether you actually have the maturity to handle what I'm gonna put into your hands so you don't destroy you, others, and misrepresent me. Now when you understand that your role is not only for this age but the age to come, then all of a sudden everything starts to shift as to why he's testing you to see if you're in the faith because it's for you. So I test you for you so you can know whether you're missing out on something you're supposed to be becoming. So once again, Everything is for us. So if you understand God is for you, then there's no negative in why he's doing what he's doing. And so you welcome it all because you realise, well, I actually want to be part of the millennial reign. Do you? I want to be part of the bride of Christ. Do you? I want to be part. So God wants us to be part of everything he gave us life for. So he has to actually test you to see whether you know, whether you know him or not, and whether you're able to live because the entire purpose of that is God will get glorified, which is the purpose of why God has given us life, that we would glorify the Father now. And this is the other thing we said at our group, is that firstly, it's about God being glorified, so that's a win. It's about you coming into the life of glory, so you know what that is to live that life now and in the future, so you win. And then it's about a lost world knowing God is real because they're seeing God through the church. So it's a win, win, win that's why i have to test you to see if you're in the reality so i get my glory
0: it is it's it's such a it's such a difference in perspective eh you know to to see you know because like a test or an exam is to prove is to prove competence it's not primarily to expose lack right that 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 process should have run its course by the time the test comes, so that when the test comes, you're actually it it exposes your competence. You know, and I you know I was sharing with the elders the other day. You know, when I had um when I first sat down at, at MSD at my previous job, my manager sat down and she said, hey. You know, every six months you've got a you've got a, a formal performance review, and and she said if if you get to the she said you should never go into a performance review having any question about where you're at. She said if there was ever any issue, you should know about it along the way. The performance review should never take you by surprise, and should you should never you should never go into your performance review and be surprised that you're getting not meeting expectations. You know. The performance review should be, um, yeah, should be evidence of the fact that you've been doing your job well. You know, if the if if you get to your performance review and you're not meeting expectations, I would have told you a numerous times along the process. There should be no surprise. Do you see what I'm saying? And so we, Paul said that he was, um, not in these words, but confident about standing before Christ. He's expecting his reward, you know. And it says that we that we on the day of judgment shouldn't be afraid of standing before him. Eh? this is in this is in First John, you know, He says, because as he is, so are we in this world. Because the, the divine work of the gospel has been outworked in us. Not just at the moment of testing, but in all of our moments, so that when we stand before him you get well done, good and faithful servant. You know, it's it's only the, in that moment solidifying what it is that he's been doing in you all along. And so there isn't fear. There isn't fear of standing before him. The only reason why there's fear maybe is because actually we haven't been engaging in that process all, all along, you know. And so it, it there is, there's an opportunity now for us to really enter into the reality of the gospel that he's, transforming us on the inside so that on that day actually it's a celebration as opposed to to a loss hey
1: you know
2: but that very reality challenges the why you're following jesus you know and it's like when you were speaking before these are the words i heard milk and meat and you said something along the lines of jesus was doing the miracles to draw people to himself and so it's like you know Once again, it's like, why are you following Jesus? Because your why is going to determine everything when he comes to you and challenges parts of you. You know, it's like, milk is good, but it's the first part of the food that we're to be on. If we're still on milk, and we've been walking with the Lord for a while, that ain't good. So then when the meat comes and the milk gets taken then how do you respond? Like, I'm gonna test to see whether you're still on milk or meat. And if I find that majority of my house are still on milk because they're babies, but I died that they would be mature adults, then how does the father get the children off the milk and onto the meat? Milk is right in the right season. Now, if you just throw this into the natural, you don't give a child steak, do you? But at some point in time, that child grows up and has teeth where milk isn't sufficient for the body like it's not. The child needs solids, and it's actually going to tell you it needs solids. So God gives you this beautiful natural design, but the challenge is, depending on why you came to Christ, will determine whether you want meat or stay on milk. on, And he'll come, and he goes, you guys are all on milk. It's time to get off the milk. So you know what I'm doing? I'm going to cut the milk supply. Yeah. <laughs> now, the test was to show you that by now you should be off milk. <laughs> we want milk. We want. If you don't give us milk, we'll go and get milk. See? And so that we have to understand that we're on this progressive maturing process that we can't just stay babies in Christ. So what does an adult in Christ look like? What does a teenager in Christ look like? What does it look like to come in and be a baby, but then over a couple of years, what does it look like to start growing? And then what does it look like to be a mature adult in Christ, and what can they handle that children and teenagers can't because of the word they're eating? Because it's the word you eat that produces the maturity in you, correct? Now this will challenge why you came to Christ because if you didn't come to Christ to be a mature Christ-like person, then the chances are you're probably gonna be staying on milk. And you'll go looking for milk because you weren't there to grow up. You actually wanted someone else to look after you, you wanted a king, you wanted a pastor, you want someone else to do it all for you. And a true leader will actually lead you away from them being your pastor, your, all that stuff. Okay. So I've identified that in my own life. I will, I will put myself down in front of you, so you don't make me into something that I'm not. I've noticed people that want to make me. They want me to be their king. I'm going, no, I'm not going to be your king, but I want you to be a king. So I'm legging it, so it can't like him. People don't like that too much because, like it says in the Old Testament, why did they want a king? Because they wanted someone to go fight their battles. They wanted to stay children. And that's in us. That's natural in us because I didn't come to Jesus to become a mature adult, to love others, to lose my life. I came because I wanted a miracle. Why did you come? I was having a real bad day that day and I got heard this message he was going to give me a better life. So that's why I came. You see what I mean? So, so much of this plays into your why. So he comes to test because he goes, You know, that why, that might have got you here, but that isn't going to cut it going forward. If you truly want, all that is in me. So we've got to grow up, guys, right. which means we've got to leave behind our childish ways, the way we think, which are childish, and enter into by him grabbing us and going, you can't go there on your own. You've got to come with me, and I'm going to impart this into you. Mm-hmm. Then you find yourself being able to live something you've never lived before. Mm-hmm.
0: I've like just, got, just, on one. I just got one thing. thing. A calling? <laughs>
2: I've every, just got, oh, I've just, every single person.
0: I was just gonna say. I just wanted to, to to follow up on on that before we move on. You know, because we're going through this at the moment with Daisy. You know, who's been on. You know, she's she's been on milk for such a long time, and for us, you know, what cutting the milk supply looks like is it's not a cold turkey exercise. What what we're doing is that and. We are, we're, in, we're actually inserting another food source, so it's it's not this. God just cuts it and that's it. You know, it's like he's not into us starving to death. He actually gives us another food source, which is to actually give us a greater nutritional substance than what we were previously eating, and in eating the the, the true food, the need for milk just goes away right over time and I think that to me it's like here you see they're partaking of something physical and he's about to go and and say guys you need to eat my flesh and drink my blood I'm I'm now talking to you about the true food hey you know and so he he gives them that and 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 to me like there's this is where the rubber hits the road because if if Daisy refuses to transition from one to another she is eventually going to starve because at some stage the breast milk is gonna run dry, you know. And so there needs to be a transition from one to the other, eh? You know, and so he doesn't just cut it out, he, he gives us what we need and, and once again gives us every opportunity to partake in what's true food. Now this came across this 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 morning, completely outside this context, but this is in Hebrews chapter six, it says this. Therefore, leaving the elementary teaching about the Christ, let us press on to maturity, not laying again a foundation of repentance from dead works and of faith towards God, of instruction about washing and the laying on of hands and the resurrection of the dead and eternal judgment. And this we will do if if God permits. And so he he talks about these things and even things like it, like eternal judgment and he says guys let's move on from those things from repentance from dead works these are these are the milk things that we there should have been a foundation laid already let's let's move on from even to you know let's move on to the mature things and actually enter into much more of of what he has for us hey you know and and so I think when when he talks about milk, he's not just talking about worldly things. He's actually talking about let's let's actually move on from some of the conversations that we've been having and wrestle and grapple with what's what truly is for the mature, eh? You know? so.
2: And and here's the challenge, is that he gives you the new source, but starves you of the old source. Okay. So and love does that. So what does a parent do when the child isn't receiving the new source that they're giving them? Is it love to continue to give the old source? No, so eventually the parent will take away but they're giving the new source. So there is a source here. I'm not leaving you hungry, but that doesn't mean you like the source that you're being given, correct? Which is what he says in Deuteronomy, where he says, I take you out of Egypt and plonk you into the wilderness to test your hearts, to see what's within your hearts. And then I'm going to give you new food that you and your forefathers know nothing about so that you will know that man cannot live on bread alone, but every word that proceeds, which is the first part of when he mentions that. Okay, So there is a brand new source of food, but he's cut the old one off. And so you're left with a choice, which is a lordship issue now. I don't like the new food. Well, that means you're lord of your own life. And you're in direct disobedience, which is the evidence that you're the Lord of your own life, but you're supposed to make me Lord. So if you don't obey me because the new food I'm giving you, you haven't tasted, neither is your forefathers, then you're in de- direct disobedience. So how do you think you're going to enter into life when I've given you the new food to get you off the old food? So it's a choice, isn't it? And that's what parenting's about at times, isn't it? You hate it. I hate you I hate you I don't like you, you I, say, oh, I love you but we're not changing our minds so someone's will has to give and it ain't mine so we can play this game all night long but it ain't changing that's what's on the table okay and if you give in to that then you're being parented by the child and that's the challenge so we have to understand those are the dynamics. A loving father will cut off the food source, but he's always given you the new food source. It's just whether you're going to eat the new food that he's given you. Why again? Because he wants you laying hold of everything he's called you for, and you're not going to do it while you're still sucking on milk. And that's
0: what he said in Deuteronomy. It literally says that that he let, that you know he brought you out into the wilderness to humble you and let you, you be hungry and fed you with mana. He let you be hungry and fed you with mana, virtually in the same sentence, say, eh? let you go hungry, fed you with mana. Why are they hungry? It's not because he's cut off all food, it's because he's given them a new food source that they actually haven't partaken of, eh? You know? Let you hungry fed you with manna so that you would know that man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Eh? You know? and, and I just want
2: to say this for the record. So if you want to look, that's Deuteronomy 8. one. Read all of Deuteronomy 8, okay? But that's a word God gave us. So that's our word. I'm starving you of the food you've all eaten. I'm now giving you a brand new substitute food that you won't understand in your mind. Okay? Neither you nor your forefathers have had this food before, but I'm giving it to you. So I've brought you out of who you were as a rock people. I'm building a brand new people and I'm giving you a brand new food source so you can become the people that you are not who you're going to become now. Now, if you don't eat the food source, guess what? You're not becoming the people that God has said he wants us to become as the rock. You're still the old rock, still trying to access old food that's not being delivered from this pulpit anymore, which means you're either going to go online to find it or go somewhere else to find it, but you won't find it here because we transition from a commission wineskin people to a commandment wineskin people, and they are completely different food sources. So that is our word. That's not even just the Israelites' word. That is an our word. If you're unaware of that, man, seek the revelation of that because that's what's been happening here for 11 years. Brand new food, brand new food source. You haven't been here before. You can't understand it in your mind. Don't even try. You need the Holy Spirit. So I'm making you aware that you do not live on natural. And if you try to enter into this reality, and that's what this morning was about, revelation upon revelation upon revelation. Mm -hmm. This isn't a food source that you can eat without revelation. Mm -hmm. And I'm making it that way so you can't access it. Mm -hmm. How good is he? Mm -hmm. So you don't hoodwink you and think you've got something you haven't. But if you have, you'll be able to live it. Beautiful, what a loving father.
0: And for those who do stay, but haven't yet yet partaken there'll be a continual sense of being hungry and unfulfilled and you'll constantly think that the issue is with the person delivering the food as opposed to your ability to actually partake of the divine eternal word that's being dished up on a plate for you every time we gather you know and and that is that's that exactly what happened to the Israelites right they started complaining towards Moses that he wasn't feeding them. And yet, manna is literally raining down from heaven, A eh? But the issue is always with the other. And actually, maybe the issue is, maybe I just need to learn how to partake of something that I actually haven't eaten before. You know? And so, once again, God is at at work and all of those dynamics, hey, does the person who's delivering the food have enough love in them to actually be able to walk like Moses with people that on the whole the Israelites don't necessarily, I'm not necessarily putting this on anyone else, although it is, you know, (laughs) ungrateful, you know, grumpy, complaining, you know, this is the the pattern that we see in the Israelites, you know. and and yet, in that, the divine setup for everyone involved is growing up into maturity for Moses, for the people, and every opportunity, every situation, he's he's put all of all of that dynamic there in play because he's looking for us to see. Hey, are you going to grow and mature and partake of of me? Um, and so, there's so much that rests in that that. In these passages, that speaks of, of us, you know. So, mm. is that, there's a lot to it,
2: whatever it is. Like, just hearing you speak like that, there's a lot to it. You know, it's, it's not was. something you can just go home and go to bed you <laughs> know. <laughs> well, you can. <laughs> Some have. Oh, <laughs> well, it's all too much. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's simple,
1: something. I was Just just off the back of what you're saying there, Sam, about um, the food that we're receiving, as I, as I was reading like this, I was like, man, what an incredible miracle! But we witness this miracle every week when you take maybe like one one verse of a scripture, and it multiplies, and it, there's an abundance of food for everyone. There's there's stuff left over. You know, I was thinking about becoming one. We looked at John 17 and just a few scriptures from there, and barely scratched the surface, and yet. There was enough to feed a multitude and still is if you keep listening and, and eating of it, you know. It's it's awesome.
2: One of the evidences of this reality is when people go, When are we going to talk about something else? <laughs> like you guys just seem to talk about the same thing all the time. We go, Yeah, nah. I had someone say to me once, when are we gonna get past this knowing him? It's like, um, we're not. But, you know, and and these are some of the things, and, you know, love covers that, but, but this is the sort of things you need to catch yourself on if this is yourself, because this is your reality of what's being said. And, you know, it's really hard, isn't it? Because Jesus used all the things as learning opportunities, what can happen sometimes for us is I would love to do that all the time, but I realised that people get highly offended very quickly. And if we could actually get past ourselves and realise, we could actually talk in ways and go, yeah, that's me, yeah, that's got me, I better. But we get too offended too quick because we get exposed in front of our counterparts, our fellow brothers and sisters, but we're supposed to be naked and there's to be no shame. You know, because they were naked in front of God and one another was no shame because they knew God. And the challenge is moments like that happen all the time. Stuff that, you know, we hear all the time, but it goes most of the time unnoticed, I think. And people don't realize what they release. But what you're releasing is the evidence of where you're at. And if you could see what you're releasing in the light of God, then you'd realize, oh, that was really ridiculous what I said. And I'm actually in opposition to God, but I don't know it. And so, man, I'm now so thankful for what's being delivered because it's just him. So when are we going to get past knowing him? You never will because that is the way to life. So if we move off that, we're now giving you cyanide. Do you want cyanide? No, then stop asking for cyanide. I'm not. I'm asking for No, you're not. <laughs> yeah, but you're unaware And that's this challenge, you know, you can be so unaware. It's what someone said to me today. She said, you know, I've been coming here for six, eight months, and it's only been in the last month that I've realised how unaware I've been. And you are unaware till he makes you aware. And only then can you do something about it. So you continue to live in this unaware reality, not realisation, you're realising you're unaware. And so then you fight. You're this child that fights because you want what you want, because you're unaware of what you need. See? And so you actually go to war with the people that are loving you, going, you need to change this, you need to change this, you need to change this, you need to give us this, you need to give us this, because that's what children do. And you're unaware of what you actually need, and so then there's that battle that can happen between flesh and spirit, you know. And no one's winning, because it's horrible, isn't it, you know. And so we've got to move beyond that where we're actually realizing, actually, we're all in this together in him. And I would love to have nights where we could just utilize things that pop out and go, can we stop right now? And can we use that as a learning opportunity? Because there is no condemnation in Christ. And Jesus did it all the time. He went there with his disciples all the time so they could learn in the moment. Because it's really hard sometimes when you get to have a conversation, someone five days later after the event. But right in the moment, if we could go there as a people, wow, it would be incredible. You know? Because I was talking with this with Jeff on the way to Paraparam, that's why I was a bit late, I was dropping someone off. And we were saying, man, we're so interconnected. No one's walking this on their own. So whatever's happening to me is happening to you, and whatever's happening to you is happening to me even though it might not be personally, it is because we're all interconnected. And so when God does something in someone's life, it's going to affect the entire being. And if we can think like that and live like that and believe like that, then we can all value and get value of everyone's journey. But if we remain this individualistic people, it's like, that's my walk. Like, what's your walk got to do with my walk? You have your personal walk and I'll have my personal walk and we won't even talk about our personal walks because... That's between me and God. That's demonic, you know? It's like there's no such thing as a personal walk in the sense of we're called to lay our lives down for one another, share our lives with each other. We're called to open up and be these open examples of what it looks like to get it right and get it wrong, you know, and to learn from our mistakes, which are just learning opportunities to move forward as opposed to going cowl in the corner somewhere and never give it another try.
0: So there's so much there's so much potential for a, for us as a body you know I just think you know like in, in in that place when when one person is living like that that actually this is about a body and not just as an individual that comes to someone who is an individually focused person there's a real dynamic tension that's going to go on right because one person's going to say oh um who are you to uh, get involved in my life is that any of your business?" Jesus made it his business, right? Because actually, it's not about him. It's about the Father and what the Father's doing, you know? And so, all of a sudden, your growth is actually absolutely intertwined because this isn't about an individual. It's about a body and it's about him preparing a, a spotless, blameless, mature bride for, for his son, eh? And so, if it's about God and what God's purposes are, then actually. Everyone's business is your business where we are eternally linked together, eh? And so I guess the question is can we be that as a body, eh? You know, are are we are we humble and willing enough to be able to go there with each other, have those real conversations and engage in that way? I pray that we will, you know. So Cool. All right. Eight minutes past seven. We just wanted to say that we take six to eight months is
1: really quite
0: successful.
1: Six to eight months.
0: Fast lane, <laughs> <line>, yeah. <laughs> All right. So, Father, I thank you for what it is that you've been speaking and ministering to us this evening. Father, I thank you for your absolute faithfulness to give us manna from above. That's Christ. Father, I thank you that you're even faithful to remove the milk, having given us true meat to eat. Uh, and so, Father, I pray that you would whet our appetites for, for more of you. Um, Father, let us leave filled with a greater sense of hunger than what we came in with. Uh, let us partake of, of you, true life itself. Um, so thank you for what you're doing in, in Jesus' name. Amen.